welcome into a very special episode of the Irish NFL show. I'm Colm Cronin and I am delighted to be joined once again by the uber-talented Zach Seegers. Zach is a writer for Mile High Sports and he's co-host of the Let's Talk Broncos podcast. Zach, welcome back to the Irish NFL show. I am so happy to be back, Colm. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I suppose it's not entirely surprising, uh, given that the last time we we were had you on the show and when we were talking, you know, things were pretty much in free fall at that point, and um, it's only kind of continued to get worse since. We are recording this literally minutes after George Payton and Greg Penner have walked off the the stage, finishing the Broncos press conference, announcing, I suppose, the Nathaniel Hackett firing or following that that and obviously the the other coaches who went as well but Zach I'm, I'm interested in in your immediate reaction to what uh, both George and Greg said yeah I it was interesting to me I think normally these press conferences don't have too too much happening um I think this one had a decent bit it reminded me a lot of the 2021 Rams end of season press conference, where they famously said uh, something along the lines of like, Jared Goff is our quarterback for now. And I know it's what we'll get into later. They could have committed a lot harder to Russell Wilson in that press conference. And I'm viewing it through a biased lens as I, I know we'll talk about later. And what I'm alluding to is I'm uh, maybe leading the charge on the cut Russ movement it's what i want to see happen as someone who wants the best for the broncos i truly believe that's what's best for them um and so i'm definitely biased i'm viewing that through i'm viewing this press conference through that lens somewhat but i, I don't know do you think i'm way off base here to me it really raised my eyebrows how non-committal they were to russ greg penner at one point said uh uh i get impatient easily and i'm getting there now um and so uh you know the things are going to be done now he also said uh this isn't about you know being good a couple few years from now or or being in the right place i think he said it's not about being in the right place a couple few years from now it's about um getting us in the right position next year and you know making the necessary moves to get there um just some things that you know could easily be about surrounding russ with talent but could also be about moving on from russ and that's a surprising level of non-commitment i thought they were going to just throw hackett under the bus and everything was going to be hackett's fault and i i don't that's the tone they took yeah there, there was a lot of um i suppose the the cliches that you would expect in terms of accountability in terms of responsibility and things like that but amidst all of those um, were some nuggets and, and you have picked out I suppose that they they weren't super committed to Russ I think what maybe jumped out to me was the piece around the fact that the the next head coach will report directly to Greg Penner rather than George Payton I, I think you know my my initial reaction to that is that I don't think that's a good thing. I don't know why then you have a general manager in place um, and how exactly that that is going to work. Um, what's your take on, on what was said there? Uh, 
I think if it is um, going to be the status quo for the Greg Penner ownership tenure, I think it's a really scary omen. Um, I don't think you want your owner being that meddling. I think generally speaking, you want either the GM reporting to the head coach or the head coach um, reporting to the GM. And it looks like at least for next season, the Broncos are going to have that a little disjointed where both are reporting to the owner. Um, that said, given the weirdness of the Broncos situation, I actually like it. Um, they should have no commitment to George Payton after the 2023 season. Um, just from like a business sense, it, it, I, I don't think you can, I, like I said, they should move off of Russell Wilson this year, but if things go bad next year, it's a cleaning house of everything except for ideally this head coach they hire. They don't want to have two one-and-done head coaches. They would like to keep this head coach into the next tenure. And so considering there's a good chance they move on from George Payton after next season, I think it makes sense to kind of start putting that power structure in place where maybe whoever this head coach is, because I think they might want to take a big swing on a Sean Payton, on a Jim Harbaugh, um, you know, maybe th this is the right way to set that up quicker. Um, again, it's not ideal, but just having that, I don't think you want a head coach that is George Payton's guy. Cause then when you sweep out the GM next year, you get the same mess where you've got a head coach and a GM that's not on the same page. Um, so th this should ideally avoid that. That's a, a very fair point. And I think to that, Greg, Penner was asked directly why he had faith in George Payton to continue as GM. And I felt that he, if you're saying they were non-committal to, to Russ, I think they were pretty non-committal to George Payton, the man who was sitting right behind him. He talked in kind of vague generalities, but he gave nothing specific in his answer to that. So perhaps, yeah, what you're saying, you know, they, maybe they are setting it up in that way. And, what also strikes me in relation to that is, and we've seen this floated a few weeks ago, um, you know, I mean, look, I think a lot of people caught this already. The reason Hackett was hired was in order to lure Aaron Rodgers. But obviously, Roger Sherman comes out with it yesterday. Andrew Brandt, former Packers vice president, comes out and says it. And then Ryan Edwards um, comes out and says that was his feeling as well. That's kind of interesting that 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 is that's out there now. Is that like putting more pressure on George Payton in terms of you went in and you got this guy in the hopes of get getting Aaron Rodgers? I, I that's maybe me being very cynical and wondering about the mm. timing about things coming out. But um, am, am I am I going too far in that, Zach? No, no. I think uh, uh, I don't know. George Payton was. Ooh, I don't know the right way to phrase it, but he was clearly um, not in the power seat during that press conference. And I think that's always the case with an owner and a GM. It was especially true in that press conference. Every time Greg Penner just did not want to answer a question, he just sat back and silently looked at George Payton. Like, it's just not even saying anything, just like, it was, yeah, I don't, 
want to fracture relationships. So that's as much as I'll say about how stark the power difference was there. Anyone can go see it for themselves on Bronco's Twitter. It was frankly a little uncomfortable. Um, and uh, so yeah, to that point, I think the heat's bearing down on him. And to your point, I don't think that's you being hyper cynical. I think the writing was out there the moment the move happened. And I think everyone knew it. It was just kind of like, you don't say it. You know, it's like they asked uh, uh, their crush out to the big dance and their crush said no. And so they were like, oh, here's this other option. And they kind of played it off and everyone knows, but you're not going to come out and say it because you don't want to, you know, make this person you're now, you're, you don't want to make your dance partner feel bad. And, you know, you don't want to feel like a bad person for doing something that's a little shady. <laughs> and it's just, I don't know. That's kind of my read on it. I think the truth is finally coming to light. And with that in mind, and with that coming to light, that Russ was not option number one for them, choice number one for them. With it uh, coming to light now, the other big thing we talked about, uh, coach reporting directly to ownership and Peyton not leading this search, which shows limited commitment in Peyton. I think both those things correlate with a lack of commitment in Russell Wilson. And as I said before, viewing this through a biased lens, but whether or not they're looking to move off of Russell Wilson, if they were moving to move off of Russell Wilson, these are the kinds of things they would be saying. These are the kinds of things they would be doing. When Peyton and Penner were asked about, are you confident in Russell Wilson? They completely sidestepped the question. It was like, well, are you confident in Russell Wilson? How much of that will factor into the coaching search? And they just talked about the coaching search. They did not mention Russell Wilson. Someone asked a bit of a follow-up and Peyton went on this long rambling thing about how, well, it's not about Russ. It's about who's going to be best for the whole team and da, 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 da. And then at the very, very end said, and we also think Russ is fixable, which is again, the right answer, but about as non-committal on that as, um, and by right answer, I mean the right thing he should say to the press, um, but very non-committal on that answer, leaving lots of wiggle room. And I, I think that was a consistent tone of this presser. And for someone like me who believes the future of the Denver Broncos uh, or being good quickly stakes on them making an aggressive decision with Russell Wilson, I'm kind of feeling on cloud nine right now. I did not think it was realistic they would consider this hyper-aggressive strategy. And right now I think it's realistic that they're considering it. I still don't know if they'll do it, but I think they are sure as heck considering yeah, and I, I I think that there is you know that that is true. I think Peyton was more like while not while you know not being extremely say complimentary or extremely committed, he was a bit more than Penner, and, and that makes sense as he's the guy who brought him in. And as you said, he came. It's like he caught himself almost at the end. Went, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's fixable. It's fixable. Uh, as almost like he's convincing him, he's talking himself into it in the hope that maybe it might be, and um. You know, I, I suppose, look, let, let's get into it because I do want to come back and get your thoughts on the, the head coach search uh, a little bit later on. But the elephant in, in the room is Russ and the fact that, you know, he's has he goes by and, and we all call him his first name is, is kind of telling everything that goes with Russell Wilson. Um, but, you know, you have been you were the first person I saw to come out and say, you know, 
the Broncos need to move on from Russell Wilson and they need to rip the bandaid off because his play is that bad and that nothing, you know, you, you, you're, 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 the benefits by of doing that far outweigh the, the negative side of things. What I find interesting is I've seen some other people, some notable people, uh, Greg Rosenthal kind of rode in behind you yesterday and a few others. But, you know, I'm sure there'll be people listening to this thinking that's crazy the numbers they don't it doesn't make sense you could you can fix Ross it's all Hackett Zach talk to us about why the Broncos should uh, make the decision to move on from Russell Wilson after this season I think the number one part of that is watch the Rams game right and watch his interceptions in that game specifically um those are russell wilson mistakes that's not like there is not a world where hackett or kubiak or outen are telling russell wilson hey i know right here you're going to see um uh courtland sutton in triple coverage i want you to throw it a hair behind him and two yards over his head right that's not what he's being coached to do um it's not uh uh, the fault of Cortland Sutton for not being 12 feet tall. It's not the fault of the offensive line for having him protected on that play. That's Russell Wilson. And you look at the Greg Dulcich interception. It's more of the same, right? The basic quarterbacking, high school level quarterbacking tells you to leverage that pass away from Bobby Wagner. And Russell Wilson does not do that. Um, that's not coaching. That's not... Um, like you could say it's a mental thing and therefore it's coaching. Russell Wilson started 160 career games, right? Nathaniel Hackett should not have to tell Russ how to tie his shoes in the morning. You know, you should not have to tell him you need to throw the ball away from the defender, right? That's simple. That's Madden level stuff. That's that you are a child playing Madden um, that you just got for the holidays and you understand how to lead your receiver. It's, it's a problem. Um, so once you establish that there are serious, like very concerning problems that are not the product of Russell Wilson's surroundings, but are instead the product of Russell Wilson, um, I think it becomes clear that he's not going to be worth the Broncos' investment in him. And as they um, continue to keep him on the roster, uh, they only dig the hole deeper because there is an opportunity cost to having him on the roster. No matter what, any way you slice it, the Broncos are paying Russ $107 million. To me, the, the debate is, do you want to pay him $107 million over two years, $107 million over three years, or $138 million over four years? All right, let's throw the $138 million over four years out, out the window. I don't want, it might even be $150, but it's, it's a lot. Um, Throw that out the window. I don't want to give Russ $30 million more dollars and another year of commitment. That seems like a poor boss. Let's throw that one out. Um, that leaves you with two. Do, do you want to um, take this 107 dead cap hit and spread it out over three or spread it out over two? And I'm championing spreading it out over two because although it is more painful in the immediate short term, I think that's a fine pill to swallow because the Denver Broncos, when you look at the holes around the rest of this roster that offense needs a talent infusion at nearly every position um they're probably not going to be contending next year or even competing for a playoff spot next year so 
get this painful year out of the way while the roster isn't in shape to contend for anything. Take your medicine while you're already weak, you know? Um, now, it's going to be a little painful, but the moves that get you to the amount of money you need to move off of Russ really isn't that bad. It's it's a 6146 split. So that is 39 million against the cap this year, 10 and only 10 and a half million against the cap in 2024. So you can draft Caleb Williams, Drake May. If you're a CU guy, maybe you're a big Shador Sanders believer, but the 2024 draft looks very exciting. The Sanders one's a bit of a joke. Um draft a quarterback top 10, something the Denver Broncos have never done before, but is the best way to find a superstar quarterback. Um, and in 2024, you can surround that guy in talent or, or with talent because that Russ split is only 10 and a half million against the cap. What you'd already be paying Russ 2025, that uh, quarterback second year, you have $55 million come off the books from Russell Wilson and you can go buck wild in free agency, similar to what the bears are going to do this off season with Justin Fields. They ate all the dead cap this year. And next year they have all the assets in the world. So they can go out and go, what does Justin Fields need? Ooh, that offensive line looks really bad. Let's throw $40 million at that. Ooh, his weapons need an upgrade. Let's throw $40 million at that. Overpaying is an ideal, but look at the wonders it's done for Trevor Lawrence this year right? Like the Jags overpaid for those guys, but they surrounded their young quarterback. They believed in with a lot of talent and look where they are now. Um, that's the spot the Denver Broncos can fairly easy put themselves in and the moves to do it. Aren't that painful cutting Ronald Darby. Who's a good cornerback. You've got a cheap replacement in Damari Mathis already in place on this roster. And Ronald Darby's a 29 year old corner coming off an ACL tear. They're going to consider cutting him or restructuring him anyways. Um, Graham Glasgow, they free up $14 million by cutting him. He's a good offensive lineman, but they're going to free up that $14 million. And maybe they bring him back on a cheaper deal, but this 14 mil. Um, Jake Martin, an edge rusher who's been on the team, played like four or five games for them. Uh, they acquired him for, I think, a sixth round pick from the Jets um, or some conditional picks. It, it was uh, one of their trade deadline deals. There's six million dollars right there. They're going to make that move. Brandon McManus. There's three, four, five, or three, four million dollars in there. Um, and McManus is one of the most overpaid, underperforming kickers in the league. That's an easy decision. Michael Ojemudia, Alberto, um, and there's another one from that draft class that hasn't panned out. That's on the books. Uh, guys that aren't even getting activated on game day. They'll be moved off of, and some money will be freed up. And then. Uh, if you want to get to that 30 million of slush, you can restructure some uh, wide receivers. You can um, uh, cut bowls. You can restructure Justin Simmons, DJ Jones. Um, and players will generally agree to restructures. It's taking non-guaranteed money and turning it into guarantees. Um, so I, I just, it's painful in the sense that we've never seen such a dramatic move done before. But when you actually lay out okay, what's the cost of this? The cost is a bad 2023 season. All right, Irish NFL listeners, who thinks the Broncos are going to have a good 2023 season with Russell Wilson? Um, so I think that's a, a very minor cost. Um, and maybe a, a 29-year-old expensive cornerback off an ACL is the other big loss. I, I think you can live with that, especially when you already have a guy in place. Um, 
And then again, you are ready to launch with an exciting young quarterback in 2024 that can actually contend in the AFC. I just, I really don't see a better path. And okay, that's the the case. And and I can hear you on it, but there are going to be plenty of people and plenty of listeners who are going to say, whoa, 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 Zach, like why, why isn't Russ fixable? Why do you believe that the decline is terminal? Because I've never seen this before. And granted, you could argue it in the opposite way. We've never seen this before, so he's going to bounce back. Just what I see is, one, I think the writing was on the wall. I know you've credited it a lot on this show, and uh, tip tip of my hat to you on that one with uh, uh, Mike Sando and then even Nate Tice kind of laying out, hey, Russ could step back. Russ might not be the same guy. There's some, it was the bet the Seahawks made. Um, like there's, there's evidence out there um, that people already believing before this season that it could happen. So I don't think it's just some wild, crazy outlying data set that should be ignored. The, the evidence was already there. And that is that Russ has always held the ball for a long period of time. He has always struggled to see, um, the short to intermediate middle of the field. And he's been able to make up for those limitations with incredible escapability and an unparalleled ability to extend the place. He does not have that ability anymore. He's still fairly mobile, but he's not like Fran Tarkenton mobile, like he used to be. You know, he's not running back in circles, Gail Sayers in it back there. Um, And that was an integral part of his game because it takes him a long time to process. It always has. Um, uh, And a portion of the field is off limits to him when he drops back from under center because he can't see it. And it's a fairly vital part of the field. To see it in the past, he would have to escape the pocket to change his um, throwing lanes, to change his uh, uh, angle of his vision so he could see that portion of the field. now that he doesn't have that same escapability, that option to open up that portion of the field uh, is off the table, as is his ability to just extend plays crazy amounts of time so things can open up into his weak spots or into his strong spots where he feels good throwing the ball. Now, that's paired with what defenses are doing philosophically. Um, they're throwing out all these two high shells. And frankly, I think they're going to be doing it for a while. I don't think this is a one-year thing. Um, It's been the trend for the last three seasons. As of now, it remains the best way to defend Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, every quarterback that's taking over the league right now, Justin Herbert, um, Trevor Lawrence. It remains the best way to defend all those guys. So defenses are going to continue to major in those philosophies. Um, And just if you think about it, if you can picture a cover two defense in your head, the soft spot's kind of the middle of the field where Russell Wilson cannot see. Those two high shells take a safety out of the box, weakening the box, opening up that area of the field, and take away the deep stuff, take away the perimeter stuff. Where does Russell Wilson want to throw the ball? Down the field into the perimeter. So huge problem. And now he's not as equipped to battle that defensive adaption. Um, Now, 
the other way you can attack that part of the defense and force them out of these two high shells is within an elite running game. I think the Broncos are a ways away from building an elite running game, but I do believe Russell Wilson is fixable to the point of mediocrity. I believe Russell Wilson falls into the lower end of the Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo, Derek Carr bucket. And I'd say the very bottom end of that spectrum, in my opinion, in the sense that those are all guys that are reliant on what is around them. They are products of what is around them. None of those guys are eating up the percentage of the cap that Russell Wilson is. And the reason that is, is because the Minnesota Vikings know we have to surround Kirk Cousins with a lot of talent. Raiders know we have to surround Derek Carr with a lot of talent to get the most out of him. When you're paying Russell Wilson, the money you're paying Russell Wilson, you can't just surround him with a lot of talent. It'd be one thing if you were uh, uh, placing him into a ready-to-win offense, like the Minnesota Vikings. Awesome running back. I think the offensive line's pretty solid. Maybe not great, but solid. Really good receivers. Um, The tight end they just acquired. You plot Russell Wilson into that, and I think you'd get a fine quarterback. Um, The problem is the Broncos aren't in that state. They have to build it up around Russell Wilson. And as long as they have Russell Wilson, they're going to have limited assets to, to build the roster up around him. And Russell Wilson is now a quarterback that is very reliant on how the roster is built up around him. So you find yourself in this paradox that seems very untenable. Which is why, once again, I think the only way out of it is to move on now. One thing I forgot to hit on before over why it's better to spread it over two as opposed to three. If you spread it over three, the the bites you're taking more manageable bites of the apple every year. But it means in 2025, the Broncos are still being hit with like a $30 million dead cap hit thanks to Russell Wilson. And that's assuming you jump through all the hoops next season because to avoid some guarantees and be able to even make that cut, you're going to have to bench Russell Wilson for multiple games of the 2023 season, sign a quarterback that makes that a viable option. And like, there's some hoops you have to jump through to even open the door for 107 over three. Let's say you do all that. You're still taking like a $30 million dead cap hit in 2025. That would be your... uh, a cheap rookie quarterback's second season in the NFL, meaning you're not able to fully build around that young quarterback and set him up for success until his third season in the NFL. On top of making, uh, uh, on top of that, making it much less likely your young quarterback succeeds. I think, um, shoot, I can't remember the person I heard talking about it. I heard an awesome argument recently uh, on the athletic NFL show for how, confidence is kind of a consistent through line we're seeing in quarterback success that a bit like two of this year that ability to be confident in your surroundings confident in the offense confidence in your own abilities um is really huge and i think it's going to be hard to foster that confidence if the first two years that players in the system they have really poor surroundings on top of that you are now negating the advantage uh, ascribed to having a young quarterback on a rookie deal the advantage there is you're spending no money on your quarterback room, so you can build up the rest of the roster. That would accelerate uh, a Broncos rebuild and further promote um, you moving on from this rust disaster. If you hold on for a year, you're not getting that, uh, you're missing out on half of that cheap 
rookie quarterback advantage because you get four years before the fifth year option uh, bumps their price up a little bit. It's still cheaper, but you're wasting half of it. Half of that advantage is a substantial opportunity cost. And to me, it comes down to, would you rather handcuff your rebuild and take on that opportunity cost um, with the upshot being maybe Russell Wilson magically becomes an elite quarterback again next season, right? That's one gamble. Or two, you bet that Russell Wilson is not going to be special anymore and you put yourself in the best position um, to rebuild, right? That's a gamble that Russell Wilson's done, but that gamble seems so much more preferable to me, I think, when you really lay out the two options and what you stand to gain and lose with them. Yeah, I think what you're saying to me makes a lot of sense, but then... Uh, you know, I, I think uh, Kevin Cole has done some work in kind of plotting um, Russ's uh, career trajectory and essentially Russ is on a four-year decline at this point and each year is getting worse. So there was a small gap, obviously, uh, you know, different years where he kind of peaks, but really good year 2018, drops a little bit 2019, drops significantly 2020, significantly into 2021, and then obviously again, um and yeah, I think in terms of what you're what you're saying about trying to bounce back to get to an elite level, which is what you're paying them for, there's the issue. I am interested though, Zach, because it has come up obviously over the past um, week because of what we saw on the sidelines, and then people pointed to past games and maybe the difference in terms of what we see with Kirk Cousins in the locker room. Do you think that there is something to the fact that? players maybe are rubbed up a little bit the wrong way by Russ's personality and the fact that Russ gets special treatment? Um, yeah. There, I, if you're crazy, sorry, if the question was if you're crazy, then no. Um, if it's, do you think there's something to it? hundred percent? Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I know this is publicly, uh, out there now, so I, I don't have a problem uh, saying it myself. Russell Wilson doesn't eat with the team. Um, he's got his own private office, and he doesn't eat with the team. He goes to his private office, um, and like that's a small thing, but I do think it's emblematic of the greater picture. Like it's not, and they'll say the right things to the media. Credit to Jerry Judy for kind of squashing it after the game, but Melvin Gordon and Jerry Judy and Cortland's excuse me, and Cortland Sutton and Mike Purcell and Dalton Reisner all getting mad at Russell Wilson isn't nothing. I know um, I have it sourced from about a month or two ago um, was the moment that like some key defensive players for the Broncos um, started going what I was told was that they were kind of going, I don't think this is Hackett. I think Russ just needs to play better. And um, I don't think that was a rare belief in the Broncos locker room. And I don't think Russ ingratiates him to his teammates. To me, I, I even had that concern this offseason, but to me it was, I don't think the Broncos are going to care all that much because if Russ is good and the offense is good and they're winning games – they're not going to care. They've been wandering through the desert and this is their oasis. Who cares if someone else is at the oasis and they're a little rude, you know, like they'll suck it up and be, be thrilled to be out of the Sahara. Um, uh, 
but it turns out that was all a mirage and that's going to make some folks testy. Um, especially when also special treatment, like the, the office is the most obvious one, but Russell Wilson has been afforded special, actually this off season was afforded special treatments by the Denver Broncos that, and concessions that were not made for other players that had requested them. And when I say other players, I mean, Broncos who had been with this team for a good deal of time had proven their value to this team for a good deal of time and had requested these things. Um, and we're told, no, Russell Wilson was immediately before stepping on the field for the Broncos told yes, that immediately kind of sours things, but it's like, okay, he's the savior when he's not the savior. Ooh, spicy. Yeah, you can get away with a lot and you can be get special treatment if you win. Winning hides all ills. We've all heard the stories about Michael Jordan and the way in which he used to behave with the Bulls, but Michael Jordan was the winner and you knew when Michael was on the court, your uh, chances of winning went up significantly. Various other examples across all of sports. But as soon as you know you are no longer that superstar that savior you no longer are the catalyst for the team winning well that all changes and um uh, to me i suppose that's an interesting one about him not eating with the team what stood out to me was when Marshawn, and I think we mentioned this the last time you were on, when Marshawn Lynch went on the Richard Sherman podcast, and Marshawn went out of his way to say nice things about Russ, to try and defend him, to really talk a good about their, the time in Seattle. But then Sherman brought up, like, you know, about the fact that in order to talk to Russ, you had to ring his manager. You could not just pick up the phone to call Russell Wilson. And even Marshawn had to say, yeah, that, that is the case. And that, that was telling to, to me. I mean, look, I, I'm kind of on um, the, the same lines of thinking of you in terms of um, – you can see the decline. It's it's nigh on impossible to turn around decline that takes place over the course of four seasons. You can have a, a dip for a season. There can be reasons for it. Um, you know any any sort of different circumstances, but um, the this has been going on for a, a number of years, which to me speaks to a lot of the the issues that that are there. But I suppose Zach, that brings us to the next question in terms of the next head coach for the Denver Broncos. And I, I, I am interested in, in getting your thoughts, but one of the things that, um, and this got addressed a little bit in the press conference in terms of the experience or, you know, first time, but there's a narrative put out there that, you know, you can't be successful as a first time head coach. And and that to me is just, it's so asinine to say that. Sean, Sean McVay, uh, one, it's obviously uh, first time he's, uh, with the Rams. He's won a Super Bowl. Sean Payton's first time as a head coach was with the Saints, won a Super Bowl. Mike McCarthy, when he was at Green Bay, that was his first head coaching job, Super Bowl. Mike Tomlin, Bill Cower, Doug Peterson, John Harbaugh. I mean, there's Super Bowl winners, but, you know, you can look at, say, Sean McDermott. You can look at uh, Brian Dable. You can look at Nick Sirianni, Kevin O'Connell. And that guy, Andy Reid, uh, who seems to, you know, own the Denver Broncos, had a pretty successful first stint with the Eagles, um, you know, before he moved across to the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. But 
so that that to me personally is just ridiculous. I, I think you pick the best candidate, and if that's an experienced candidate, great. But I think not going with somebody because they're a first-time head coach would be crazy, particularly in terms of I think it's getting easier even in the NFL for first-time head coaches. But that that's me. Do you have a preference in what you would like to see? Yeah, I mean, so again, I think they should move off of um, Russ, obviously. I've been hitting that drum plenty. Uh, but again, all of this just kind of lines up with that. It's weird. It's so much harder to predict now because if you asked me, heck, four hours ago, I'd say, well, it's going to be about maximizing Russ. And I would put a good bit of stock into Vegas having Sean Payton as the favorite. Like, Russ has long said he models his game off of Drew Brees. I think Sean Payton's the proven, successful, hard-nosed kind of coach who would be given enough power by the organization to put Russell Wilson in his place and be like, no, 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 no. This is what you're doing. And I think as Pete Carroll demonstrated, that's how you get the most out of Russell Wilson. Um, now, if you're moving on from Russ, it gets so interesting. Or And you're not committal to Peyton, becomes really interesting because being non-committal to Peyton also strengthens the chances of Sean Peyton, um, the other Peyton coming on, um, because you can offer him organizational control. It, it strengthens the likelihood of Jim Harbaugh coming on because you can offer him organizational control. Um, and I think, I think Jim Harbaugh would be my dream. I think that's really unrealistic. I don't know why John Harbaugh or Jim Harbaugh would leave Michigan for this Denver Broncos team when he's finally got Michigan rolling. But people are mentioning him. Um, so I'll say he's a candidate and he's my dream candidate. I doubt he even takes the interview. Realistically, if you're sorry. Zach, Zach can I just cut, sell me? Sell me on Jim Harbaugh because I have reservations about Jim that that come from the hearing stories that is time with the 49ers and and he, while Russ doesn't eat with the players Jim likes to be very very involved with with the players and in a college setting that can work really well but with grown men it doesn't tend to there's also obviously the stories about Peyton Manning when Peyton went, did his kind of free agency tour um, and, and Jim uh, kind of needing to um, now maybe that works for Russ, right? Because Jim needs to be the alpha in, in every room um, and kind of he throwing the, the ball. Um, you know, he wanted to prove he could throw it harder than, than Peyton, which was an interesting one. So I have reservations, but I'm open to it. T tell me why Har Jim Harbaugh is your dream candidate. So I don't know if he's, to your point, I don't know if he's, the your first concern, the guy who gets them over the hump. But I think he might be the John Fox that shepherds them out of this muck they're in. Um, and in that sense, I point to look at what he's done everywhere he's gone. Like he has taken underperforming programs, um, you know, University of San Diego, Stanford football, um, uh, 2000, the 21st century, San Francisco 49ers and, um, University of Michigan and gave them a dramatic facelift. Michigan went from 
being the little brother to Michigan State to owning their rivalry with Ohio State. And it took a while for him to get there, certainly. But he's gotten there. Um, uh, the 49ers thing, I think, is fair. You know, maybe he did rub people the wrong way. But it's also hard for me to deny the success he had in San Francisco. Um, maybe it would have worn out the players anyway, but my perspective on the San Francisco thing is he lost a power struggle with Trent Balky, and Trent Balky is as good as at politicking as it gets in the NFL. <laughs> many, many an NFL head coach has tried to spar with Trent Balky, and I don't think a one has uh, won that power struggle. Doug Peterson might be the first here because um, he's pretty, pretty dang good. Uh, but th that happened, and then I think he was immediately proven wrong, you know? Um, uh, Balky was in, in moving on from him, and the Niners were in moving on from him uh, because the team got a lot, lot worse, and a lot of players left because they didn't they could see where the franchise was going to go without Harbaugh, and they didn't want to stick around for it, um, looking at Patrick Willis there. Um, so that's my thing with Harbaugh. I, I understand the issues with him maybe being your NFL coach for four or five years, but 12 NFL head coaches have been with their respective teams for four years. 12, just 12. So, man, if, I'm, if my concerns are at the year four mark, at the year five mark, I'm already in the top third of NFL head coaches, and I, I think I'll swallow that pill. I think he's shown um, a great CEO ability. Obviously, his background is with offense, but when I think Jim Harbaugh teams, I think great defense and hard-nosed football. And also, I think that hard-nosed football is something that benefits uh, modern NFL offenses. I think it's getting ahead of the curve. Um, going back to our conversation about two high shells, it's weakness. It's it's sacrificing run defense for pass defense. It's making your team a little lighter. Um, and a little quicker at the expense of being a little less stout. And so I think the future is going to be who can grind these games out. I think that's kind of be, and who can force these teams out of those two high shells to open up the explosive passing plays downfield. And I think Jim Harbaugh's style of football lines up very, very well with that. Um, so he'd be my number one guy. I think he could save the Broncos from this mess. I think he's very unrealistic. So I'd point to a Frank Reich, um, a guy who I think we've seen be very adaptive with his offenses, um, work with a Philip Rivers, work with a Jacoby Brissett and get the most out of those guys, um, get the most out of Carson Wentz, all sorts of different characters. Um, he's never really gotten uh, his highly touted quarterback. Um, and I think the problems with the Colts this year were more roster-based than Frank Reich-based. Um, I think he's consistently maximized quarterbacks. I think that's a valuable skill. Um, and I think he's a good leader of men. Um, so so he would be uh, one of my top guys. Yeah, I mean, I suppose I, I hadn't, and that's a fair point uh, in terms of the longevity of coaches. And yes, if, if Jim Harbaugh was coming in as maybe a Bill Parcells type, to shake things up, to change the culture um, in, in terms of a kind of a, a three-year stint, uh, three, four years. Yeah, okay, I can I can I can see that. Um, I suppose, yeah, the longevity. But as you point out, if your if your worries are at that point, given where 
these uh, Broncos team are and have been now uh, for for nigh on seven years. That is uh, quite the the concern. And yeah, Reich. I mean, I, I think Reich makes a huge amount of sense if you if you are moving away from Russ. Absolutely. Um, I, I think uh, that that is where it makes a ton of sense. I think if Russ is still in situ, to me, it probably makes less sense then, uh, just because of the nature of his the relationship that he tends to have um, with his uh, QBs. Um, there's a, there's also uh, you know Fra- Frank's experience with maybe a, a meddling owner uh, and and how uh, how he would feel uh, on, on that, uh, given what we are seeing going on with the uh, the Colts. Uh, we record this the night after they decided to play their uh, third uh, QB of the season, and we all saw how that one went. So, uh, Zach, I suppose then in terms of um, you know kind of wrapping uh, this up and um, where where the, the Broncos are at. Um, we they've, Hackett is gone. Peyton has been somewhat sidelined. I think I, I can certainly say, say that from my perspective and, and what I witnessed today. In terms of the, you know, we, we have discussed, um, you know, and I think you make a very fair case moving on from um, Russell Wilson makes a, a, a ton of sense. And if I'm, if I was in Denver and if I was a season ticket holder, what is the reason? And, and say they move on for, like, what is the reason? What, what is, what, the, what is there to look forward to next year other than, sucking and having a good QB hopefully or having being able to draft a good QB in April 2024. Is there is there anything? Javante Williams has a, a really, really serious knee injury. We don't know how he'll return from that. Is is there is there anything um that the, the Broncos can hang their hat on for next year? Yeah, I, I think so. If you take my strategy, if you run it back with Russell Wilson, I think you are doing what this team has done since 2016, and that is lie to its fans. And every every NFL or, frankly, every professional sports organization lies to their fans a little bit. But let's look at the Broncos' lies. Paxton Lynch – or let's go back even further. Brock Osweiler is the heir apparent quarterback. That was a lie. Paxton Lynch is the heir apparent quarterback. That was a lie. Um Joe Flacco is still in his prime. That was a lie. Drew Locke is the future of this team. That was a lie. You can still win a Super Bowl uh, around the bones of this 2015 defense. That was a lie. And if what you are looking for is false expectations and lies and more wallowing in mediocrity, I do believe uh, the Russ path is the path to go. However, What I would sell fans on is we are finally doing the right thing. We are finally being honest with ourselves, much like the Detroit Lions, what the Detroit Lions sold their fans, what the Atlanta Falcons sold their fans a couple seasons ago, or maybe even what the Philadelphia Eagles sold their fans moving off of Carson Wentz. Um, We're being honest about our situation here. And you know what? This first year is going to be a little unfun but we're being sincere about our spot as a franchise and we're going to start building upon this exciting young core. 
because the Denver Broncos do still have an exciting young core. And that's what I'd say for fans. You're not going to be let down by this 2023 Broncos team because you're going to have realistic expectations for it. And um, you're going to see uh, the exciting bones come into place uh, for a franchise that's finally headed in the right direction uh, for the first time since 2015. Um, and people thought they were headed in the right direction before, and unfortunately, they were wrong. The right direction right now is stop lying to yourself about where you are as a franchise, because all that is is continuing the cycle. Be real. Uh, uh, come to terms with it. And you know what? Get your fans excited for 2024. You've got Jerry Judy now, who, you know what? He, maybe he's not Justin Jefferson, but I think he's getting close to C.D. Lamb, number one receiver in the NFL in terms of yards per route run against man coverage, up to 34th now on the season against zone. That's out of 100 qualifying receivers. So, you know, he's in like the 66th percentile against zone, 99th percentile against man. That's a pretty fun receiver. Greg Dulcich, one of the top 15 uh, rookie tight end seasons ever on a, on a per game basis. Um, uh, uh, and in a passing game, that's totally anemic. He's put in those numbers. That's exciting. That's a little fun. Um, uh, uh, this defense, which should be bringing back a lot of pieces um, and has a lot of youth moving forward. I don't know. That's, that's pretty fun to me. It's not a great sale, but I think it's a lot more like, you know, the selling Russell Wilson to me feels like selling me a rancid piece of meat. Um, selling a non-Russell Wilson-led Broncos team to me feels like I went to the butcher and they went, sorry, we're out of stock today, but if you come back tomorrow, we've got a juicy, delicious brisket ready for you. You know, and I'm happy. I'm, I'm much happier than I am with the rancid meat. That, that makes a lot of sense. And Zach, I don't know, are you familiar with the concept of the banter era? Have you heard this before? I am not, and I am very excited to be enlightened. So, so this came about, and basically it's a, it's a few years kind of old, but on Twitter you can find some great threads. It's re in relation generally to, to football, as we would know it over here, soccer teams. And Sunderland was possibly the best one I saw, but basically somebody took kind of a decade uh, or so of the Sunderland Football Club and, and posted kind of a thread containing all of the crazy decisions that had happened, the signings, the all that stuff. I think there is an, um, an incredible Broncos banter era, 2016, to 2022 you've outlined some of it there um brock oswell are not picking up his phone getting the the mega the mega deal he ends up coming back uh the 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 Fran the, the latest franchise or not not the current one but the then franchise guy being introduced by the gm and him getting his name wrong uh one, one of the cornerbacks shooting himself in the leg one uh the one of the qbs being ch uh, chased after leaving a halloween party with a rumba um you know so many so many incredible moments for for this team um i i really hope that, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, your dream of, of moving on from Russ 
that may happen. We may draw a line in the sand. We may move on from the banter era and we will look back at all of the crazy decisions that happened from uh, Sports Illustrated putting Paxton on the cover with, <laughs> with the successor um, and, and everything that, that followed on from that. Zach, for, I, I always love talking to you. I really enjoy your stuff. For listeners who want to you know, get uh, read more of your stuff, hear more of your stuff, where can they do that? Yeah, likewise, Colin. I will jump on here whenever you'll have me. It, it was such a treat. Thank you uh, once again uh, for having me. Um, find me over at the Let's Talk Broncos podcast. That's on um, YouTube. Um, that's on Twitter at the LTB podcast. Um, uh, over on Facebook as well, if that's your cup of tea. Um, yeah, really proud of that show. Really enjoy doing it. If you think I'm a little crazy and out there, um, I've got Bree Maestas, uh, bouncing me out who was, I know on this show and I, th I thought she did a great job. Um, J.R. Drafts, who is, um, uh, Joey Richards, uh, I think one of the best, uh, young draft minds in the game really knows these college prospects, uh, like the back of his hand would recommend his work and they kind of, they bring me back down to earth. Some keep me in our reality. And, uh, we, we have a lot of fun with each other. So please go check that out. If you're more a fan of the written word of uh, milehighsports.com, I've got articles coming out every single day, including my, uh, stock up, stock down game recap series, which I'm very uh, proud of. So please give that a look. Well, uh, Zach, I just want to say thanks again. Hopefully, uh, if you're a Broncos fan and you, you have listened to this, maybe as a sort of exorcism, if you are a fan of one of the other 31 teams, perhaps you have uh, listened to get a, a laugh at uh, the, the Denver Broncos expense. Uh, it's fair to say there is plenty to laugh at, but hopefully that oh, will Car Not for Cardinals fans. Sorry, if you're a Cardinals fan and you're laughing at my misery, look in, it, look in a mirror, my man. I, I'm, I'm glad I'm not a Cardinals fan. That's the only franchise I feel we're a little better than right now. Yeah, that might that might that might be the the one. Although uh, both have uh, given similar similar numbered contracts to to their QBs, and and both are certainly kind of in purgatory uh, right now. And decisions, I think, it for for both in the the off season. But Zach, thank you for taking the time to to chat to me, and no doubt we will have you back again in the not too distant future. Thank you very much, Colm. Uh, yeah, always a blast. And uh, let's go Broncos.